0: Trumpeting.
1: Hey everybody, this is Brother Frank, and welcome to another episode of the Remnant Call. No, this is not just another episode. Tonight is going to be a powerful episode because of two fantastic guests that are going to be on tonight. But let, give me just a second before I bring them in. If you are still wondering how to uh we had a program the other week on Answer the Call International. Uh, many of you are asking, they were having some trouble with their PayPal, uh, how to donate. Um, I posted many times and several of the links down there and in the show notes, um, a fixed repair place you can donate to, and please go on there and share, say remnant call. We're not, we don't ask for money, anything, but we are asking that you support ministries that are worthy of the dollar. And here's the thing, folks, this is a ministry that doesn't take any overhead all goes into the field and it's hard to find ministries like that in over in India. It's hard to find legitimate ministries. There's so many fake ones over there. Um, But this ministry, um, Sister uh, Lee, she's just been a blessing, a woman who's just been overwhelmed by the power of God to move her to such a mighty ministry uh, in India, to the lepers and the homeless and the widows. I mean, what the Bible talks about, true religion is all about. That's what this ministry is. And I just uh, thank everybody. They had a great turnout. We want to keep blessing those and um, we continue to support them as they're moving forward in the future. Uh, well, with that, I am excited because tonight we have not only Brother Benjamin Brooke, but also Brother Jamie Walden on here with us tonight. And, um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you what, God's going to move and something's going to happen tonight. I'm not sure exactly, but uh, these two brothers here together, uh, I am just fired up and excited. So for those you who don't know, Jamie Walden, he's the head of the Omega Dynamics Ministry. Uh, we've I don't even have his bio. I'm so fired up tonight that they're on the program. I can't even read. I don't even have it in front of me. Check him out, omegadynamics.org. He'll let him tell you a little bit about what they do. You all know Brother Benjamin. Uh, He's not just a guest on Remnant Call. He's a part of the family, a brother that I met in 1999 after God led me to read the book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand. And I left strung out on crystal methamphetamines, running around on my wife, chronic adulterer, violent, got saved outside of a church, born again while driving down the road. And I didn't even know how to get saved. That's what the power of God can do. And I will always, always be thankful to brother Benjamin, but God using him, actually, it was God's book, but he just allowed Benjamin to write it. The day of the Lord is at hand and really blessed me. So with that, I'm going to bring both of these on here, brother, Benjamin and Jamie, are you here? Yeah. Yeah. I'm here, brother. Thanks for having me on. Amen. I didn't even have this stuff there. I'm just happy. You guys, brothers, y'all on. I'm done. You're family now. Okay. Everybody's family. (laughs) You're part of the show. And uh, I'm excited here. And Benjamin and Jamie both on there. But before I get going, Jamie, could you give a quick update? You all just had something special going on at your place out there in Colorado share a little yeah, bit about we that. did
2: we just we just got done with our uh fourth annual warrior summit out here at the base camp and kind of what our focus was this year was just uh trying to put together and get coordinated and put in the infrastructure for the underground church we all know what's coming i mean i know that we'll, we'll speak to some of the issues tonight that are going on that are prescient but uh you know, it's like we can't have that neo-Babylonian blindness as to the reality of what's going on. As the troops are amassing and moving across open ground for two years, like they were in, in Babylon, as they were drinking out of the golden vessels of the Lord, and uh, and we we can see the handwriting on the wall. They said they're making lists like a like a bad Santa and checking it twice. So I'll take them at their word. So. You know, we focused on uh, building out faith havens, um, not just uh, nationally, but actually internationally. We had people there that came flew in from Panama and Costa Rica. Uh, Two couples came in from Australia. They're wanting to get there's people in South Africa want to get organized. New Zealand, South Korea, you name it. They're all saying. How do we get these faith havens going? We know what's coming. We see the handwriting on the wall, as in Babylon, and uh, and we're wanting to know how to get organized and get coordinated. So that's what we focused on. We had three 300 people come and uh, spent four days in prayer and worship and a little bit of teaching and some practical preparation stuff for the underground church. And yeah, it was awesome. Good time, man. So that's kind of the brief synopsis.
1: Amen. Well, praise God for that. Uh, it's, it's so nice because folks, you all most, a lot of people, brother Jamie here, it's been on the remnant call. Um, you listen to Benjamin and myself through the years, um, have been disenfranchised through their own church and they're trying to find someplace. place. Folks, don't forget, you're not the only one. I know sometimes it feels like it can be lonely and we go through dry spells, but God has other people out there that have not bowed the knee to Baal yet. They're also looking for the same things. Just keep praying and God in his timing will make things happen. And so, brother, thank you for that. Uh, Brother Benjamin, you... have been, of course, always at the forefront of everything that's going on since I've known you. Uh, I don't think you've changed. Actually, you have not changed one ounce since 1999 when I first met you. You yeah. are the exact same person I have known for all these years, brother. Well, I don't know uh, if
3: that's good or bad, but no, uh...
1: <laughs> the intensity level of Benjamin has never gone down than since I've known him. So this is a brother that's committed. And uh, I thank God. And, and of course, you know, our bond goes deeper than just a, a friendship, but there's a, you know, obviously the Lord used your book to, to wake me out of a, and, and, you know, today the fruits of that is well. I have a family and I've, I've had the pleasures of taking my own children down into the waters of baptism and watch them surrender their lives to Jesus. Uh, that may never happened had the day of the Lord never been written. So thank God for that book, brother.
3: Amen. Yeah, that book changed my life too, Frank. Amen. Amen. And it's still changing us. The Word of God is still changing us. As a matter of fact, the changes are about to accelerate, and in, in God's work and a good work. He's also doing a strange work, which we'll get into a little later. But so, Jamie, hey, great to make your acquaintance. So fun to be here with you and Frank. Maybe we should start with like a quick, you know. The, the mad minute dash around all the crazy world news that's happening.
1: You want to talk a little bit about Maui and absolutely, the- brother, let's kick this off with a word of prayer for our audience. Um, we all were praying beforehand and I think we just were getting right into it. Brother Benjamin, could you just lead us in a word of prayer as We get this and let's get going. Absolutely. Father God, we thank you.
3: We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for salvation. Lord, we thank you for righteousness and and that in our hearts we hunger and we thirst for your righteousness. Lord, we're seeking for the ancient path. We're looking for the narrow way. Lord, I thank you that you've revealed that the narrow way is the way of absolute truth. And I pray that your truth would shine tonight. That the word of God, the living Rima word of God would come forth. And that the three of us could speak as oracles. And that we would bring forth absolute truth. And in in so doing, we would honor the one who is the truth. Who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And our precious and beloved Savior. And the best friend any of us ever had. Lord, we we choose to honor you this day. I pray, Lord, your spirit would touch the listeners' hearts and their ears. And that this message would have a profound impact on your people, Lord, as, as you make final preparations
1: for what you're about to do on the earth in Jesus name amen. Amen. amen amen hallelujah all right brother uh please just share with us there's a lot going on maui is on a lot of people's mind right now there's some things that just aren't sitting right with people and it's it's disturbing to say the least <laughs> yeah i'll try uh, i'll try to give a brief
2: synopsis it's funny uh, uh, benjamin reached out to me earlier today you know obviously i'm i'm familiar with him and his work through you brother frank and elsewhere and and I he sent me an email and I called him like, hey Benjamin, nice to meet your acquaintance, man. Like, you know, we 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 have um some common friends and brothers in the Lord and stuff like that. And a, and of course it didn't take us but about 20 seconds of uh introduction and we were fire hosing each other for over an hour. So you know, you know how that goes. But Amen. um yeah, so it's it's cool to see even the overlap of that. The Lord's obviously He's set about right now in the intensity, you know, we're talking off off air about the convergent zenith of all the things going on this major convergent zenith and in, and uh, in prophecy and and in the timeline of, of the history of humanity and even the cosmic insurrection. Right. The war of the ages that's been raging in a heavenly since Genesis one, one, when the world was Tohu and Bohu without form and void. And the Lord stood over the Leviathan. Right. The chaos dragon, the waters of the deep. And here it is coming into uh, coming into. Her view of those who maybe haven't had eyes to see yet and now it, everything's breaking out in in real time you know I know the Maui thing is is um what's very current on everybody's mind you know I went into great detail about it the other day uh, I posted on on the YouTube channel if anybody wants to go watch that it's uh, just under Jamie Walden on YouTube and you'll see a breakdown of the Maui fires and I won't try to do like a a highly didactic, you know, academic breakdown of it now, but the reality is, is the the Maui fire thing is just one component of this bigger macro picture. And I think all too often, a lot of people get stuck in the micro, right? Which is part of this Cloward and Piven strategy, which were those reprobate uh, uh, professors that created this whole psychological framework for keeping people from ever being able to really put the pieces together because they make you get fixated on all these little micro uh, cosms. And I'm by no means diminishing the loss of life in Maui. It's horrible, but it's a part of a a bigger macro picture which is these this impending as Benjamin was talking about off air this breaking of the second seal right and and the breaking of the second seal is important to get to the breaking of the third seal to get to the breaking of the fourth seal to get the the rolling out of the trumpets right to get to the 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 great uh population reduction over the face of the earth to bring in and consolidate power consolidate control uh, consolidate governance consolidate spiritualism in every way shape or form right to allow this thing to emerge on the scene. And, you know, as as I often go to, the big why of all that is because the global elites, the Luciferian elites, from the Illuminists to the Freemasons to the, you know, Ortis Temple Orientis, right, the the OTO, and all these other different uh, um, offshoots of these high-level Canaanitic Phoenician Sumerian occultic practitioners – is that they are very well aware that God is getting ready to do business with all of humanity through astro-catastrophism, which I I lean towards it being this apophis, which will be visible in the sky in 2025. And then actually, uh, a third of the earth would pass through the debris trail in 2029. So there's... A lot of great academics and researchers out there have done sem- seminal work on this, impending pinning as- our space body asteroid, uh, Apophis coming in. And so understanding the the hardcore push right now, whether it's through the thing that just went on with the last three years, right? We don't know what I'm talking about, or this incessant, uh, obsessive, like uh, uh, teeth gnashing push, for a uh, limited nuclear exchange among the world superpowers to the tearing down of all the financial systems with the Great Reset. Um, it can only be, or, or, and even the rollout of the transhumanism and the artificial intelligence and the reductionism of, of the workforce globally, the tearing down of borders, the infiltrating of, of all the different uh are the breaking down of the nationalism all around the face of the earth it can all only be understood through the one lens of the quote-unquote big show that they know is coming in a very new future and i know benjamin is and and you as well too brother frank you guys have your finger on the pulse on the the dates and the times of stuff like that so that's just kind of a brief synopsis but you know like we have uh, Benjamin was just talking about Evergrande collapsing, but I don't think people understand what that means and what's actually gone on in China. Or the Ukraine issue? Ukraine issue has nothing to do with a land grab or even it being the breadbasket of Europe has nothing to do with that. There's layers of things going on with the Ukraine from anything from Hunter Biden to the laptop to Air Force One and Air Force Two, the 28 bioweapons labs to it being the seat of uh, global child sex trafficking for the Western-centric oligarchs, right? Like there is layers of things going on right now. Even Africa is a powder keg with the ECOWAS, right? The a- economic Con- community of West Africa states versus uh, the Wagner group of Russia is in Ni- Nigeria and Nigeria and they're getting ready. They said for a continent wide war. And then you have Pyongyang saying that nuclear war with the United States is imminent. You have South Korea putting 51 million citizens into underground bunkers and the largest civil defense drill ever. You have the biggest uh, naval armada of Russian and Chinese ships that just passed the Aleutian Islands one day before High index of suspicion. Nobody can say this for sure, but high index of suspicion of some funny business creating the fires on Maui, which would be a forward operating base for a Japanese contingent to do a kinetic invasion of the West Coast mainland. So for your listeners, I, I just fire them with, with <laughs> layers and layers of layers of stuff without getting into too much detail. But that's just to
1: give testimony to truly how late the hour is. Amen. Brother Benjamin, uh, I know he just hit, went over some things that have been on your heart, according, especially with the bankruptcy and everything, brother. I, I'm just speechless, Jamie. What a summary.
3: Yeah, I mean, and that was just in the last day. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the last 24 hours of news, right? <laughs> I mean, we, these birth pains are accelerating and, and um, you know, we've been, We've been looking closely at the prophecies and, and I know that I owe you guys a program going deep into the message of the 70th Jubilee, which has been appointed to the people of Israel. And, you know, for those of you that maybe haven't are tuning in for the first time to the show, the Lord showed us that the prophecies in Daniel 9, regarding what are described as the 70 weeks. In the actual text, in Hebrew, it actually reads 77s have been decreed upon thy people Israel and upon the holy city. And then the text goes on and, and, and says, and no one understand from the commandment to restore Jerusalem until the coming of the prince, there shall be 62 sevens and seven sevens and after the 62 sevens the prince shall be killed but not for himself and so you know all of the commentators describe the 70 weeks prophecy as well most modern prophecy teachers add the seven and the 62 and they get 69 and you know it's they're not even here and
1: they're not even here benjamin they're already gone they've flown away (laughs) Did they get raptured
3: this afternoon? I, I hope they made it, because
1: that was probably the last
3: train out of here until the Lord catches the remnant up in the sky at the last trumpet at the end of the age, which is, uh, you know, the dead in Christ rise first, and then those that are left alive are caught up to meet the Lord. But in any event, everybody's understood those 62 weeks or 69 weeks to represent weeks of of years. And so the prophecy was understood to reference 490 years appointed for the city of Jerusalem and in commandments to restore, restore the city would be issued the commandment before the first coming of the Lord was issued by our in in the year 444 BC Sir Isaac Newton in his book observations on the Prophecies of Daniel and the revelation of St. John, which is a great read if you haven't read it published in 1796 in London, England by, uh the family of Newton after his death, he went back and he, he spent his life studying the prophecy and discerned the commandment of Artaxerxes, which was issued in 444, was exactly 62 weeks to the birth of Jesus in 2 BC. If you count the eight jubilees included in 434 Hebrew years using a Hebrew calendar. And now every a lot of people understand that. What I recently perceived by the spirit is there's actually two prophecies here one is a prophecy upon the people of israel and in the case of the prophecy regarding god's people the 77s are are sabbath years and you know how do i get the idea that the number seven represents the sabbath well the seventh day is a sabbath and 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 the seventh year is a sabbath and And after seven Sabbath years, we have this thing called the Jubilee. And the Jubilee was the missing key to this section of prophecy, which is sort of ignored by the the Goyim, the Gentile commentators, who don't think Hebraic. So they just simply ignored the fact that the prophecy requires Jubilees. In the case of the people of Israel, it is a prophecy of Jubilees itself. The seven sevens are seven Sabbath years, which are 49 years Followed by a jubilee. So so God had revealed that the prophecy regarding the restoration of his people, Israel, involves 70 jubilees. Well, when when did that start? Well, when was the nation born? A nation came out of Egypt, out of Mitzrayim, in the Exodus. And has been regathered into the land in 1948. The War of Independence ended in March of 49. And if Jesus was born on a Jubilee, which would be consistent with the laws of the Jubilee, which include the redemption of property, and Jesus being the redeemer sent to redeem us and we are God's property, then Israel in nineteen forty nine would have also experienced a jubilee. You know, in two BC to nineteen to the year forty nine, that's fifty years because you we don't count year zero. So 1949, when Israel finished the, the War of Independence, they celebrated a jubilee, restored to their land and now in peace. And that would make 1999 a jubilee. And, and I had taught that the final jubilee, the 70th jubilee, and if you go all the way back to the Exodus, which was around 1450, you know, you can count them out. Um, we're on the verge of the final 70th jubilee. But this one is going to be different because it's going to be in the spirit. And the number seven is perfection. And the number 10 is completion. And God is about to perfect and complete his great work that he's been doing this entire time, which is turning his people into the living temple. That are his, his destiny that he has chosen for his elect is that they be part of a living temple. Well, that. The remnant of that temple, it's going to be redeemed and, and will survive and endure in this hour. They're going to be redeemed in a final 70th jubilee, and it's a spiritual jubilee, not not a civil jubilee. You know, the coming spiritual jubilee is not going to change any civil relations among men. No debts will be canceled between men. No slaves will be freed in the in the flesh. No property is going to be returned in the natural. The debts that are going to be canceled are going to be in the spirit. The slaves that are going to be set free are the people that have been under the bondage to Satan that are now going to be totally redeemed. And the property that's going to be returned are the remnant of God that have been held captive by Satan under bondage of sin. Even as Israel was in bondage in Babylon in the natural, they were literally in in slavery. They walked to Babylon in chains and they were they were under laws of slavery the entire time they were there. God set them free in the natural. The church today is in bondage to the spirit of Babylon and they're in bondage spiritually. And that bondage is about to be shattered. Those chains are going to be broken and the remnant of God are about to be redeemed. And that year of redemption is also the year in which the day of indignation begins. The spirit testifies in the prophetic writings of Ishaiah. Isaiah, that the day of indignation is in my heart and the year of my redeemed has come. So, you know, we're going to do an entire program digging deep into that, but I just wanted to touch on the fact that if 1999 was the 69th jubilee of the people of Israel, which it was, and that would put the exodus right around 1452-ish. And if the spiritual jubilee is, is opposite... The civil jubilee the same way the spiritual calendar is six months opposite of the secular calendar then the spiritual jubilee will follow 25 years after 1999 and that means the spiritual jubilee is in the year 2024 and the only question is does it begin in 30 days or 40 days on yom kippur when the civil jubilee would normally begin or do we wait for the spring And for the month of Nisan in in the year 2024, but in either either event, we're within a month or so or seven months or so of the final year of redemption in which God is going to do a new thing and a remnant of his saints are going to be redeemed totally. At the end of the day, you're going to check in with the Lord And and tell the Lord, Lord, I don't know what to pray about today. I don't don't know what I did wrong. And the Lord's going to say to you, you didn't sin today. Today, this day, you did all that I commanded you. And and the remnant of God are going to hear that on a daily basis. And we are going to walk as he did in the ways and in the narrow way of the Father, so I'm totally excited. We're, you know, our lives are going to change. The world is going to change too. They get the great tribulation. They get the destroyer of the Gentiles, who's already exterminating people by the tens of millions, using every weapon imaginable, and they're about to unleash the great sword of, of World War III. So. And if, yeah, you know,
2: it's an interesting, Benjamin, it makes me, you know, I'm thinking of Daniel 11, 32, as you're saying that the second part of the verse, but that those who know their God, you know, shall be strong and go forth and do exploits, or as it renders, they shall go forth and do daring feats of valor. And I always, you know, often reference that knowing of our God, the knowing of our God presupposes an intimacy with the Lord that very few people are walking in. And that word knowing is the same word that's used throughout scripture for uh for actually um, the intimacy that's known between a husband and a wife behind closed doors in the, in their inner chambers, and it's such a deep, rich, intimate knowing of the Lord. It has it's a knowing that it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with the strength of your faith. It has nothing to do with the strength of your X Y Z. Has nothing to do with all your religious discipline things that and your justification and righteousness of your own. But it's a knowing of the one who is righteous. It's a knowing of the one who is strong. It's a knowing of the one who is. Faithful, he literally is surrounded by faithfulness. You know, I was just talking to our my our church about this the other day. Uh, uh, Psalm eighty nine. You know how faithfulness surrounds him. Faithfulness goes out from his throne. Faithful. Everything's about faithfulness, uh, brother Frank. You'll get this. I talk all the time about how he is the true and better simplified fidelis he is always faithful there's even a qualifier to his faithfulness and even in even it's the it's the for front running verse of psalm 91 that so many people want to use all the time which is an awesome powerful section of verses but it's his faithfulness is my shield and buckler or my shield and rampart right his faithfulness towards us so it really is one of those things where like that this this time that's breaking out unseen, although it'll be at times the likes of which never has has been and never will be again. As we read in Daniel 12, it says, but at that time, Michael, the archangel will arise on behalf of God's holy people, right? And those who are wise in the Lord will turn many back to righteousness and I'll shine like bright stars in the vast expanse of the universe from everlasting to everlasting. That's a really long time, right? Like when we think about this and it's like, so how do we grow? How do we be wise in the Lord? Well, it's like, then you better mature in the fear of the Lord. And as you increase in the fear of the Lord, you'll increase in the wisdom of the Lord. And if you increase in the fear of the Lord, you increase in the wisdom of the Lord, you'll increase of in a knowing of the Lord. And as you increase in the fear of the Lord, it says he'll reveal to you the depths of the mystery of the covenant, the depths of it. No longer will it be a mile wide and an itch deep like the seeker-friendly, nar, social justice, woke, hard people are making the gospel. But it, you'll know the depths of the covenant. You will have a knowing of your God. And because you know your God, you know the sufficient. The sufficiency of the blood of the lamb. Your life and your testimony testifies to the sufficiency of the blood of the lamb. You have such a knowing of your life that is hidden in Christ Jesus, and he is in you, and you are in him, that you do not love your life so much as you're afraid to lose it. You'll literally take on a quote-unquote spiritual invincibility complex and a knowing of your God, and you actually will go forth and do daring feats of valor, but none of it will be from vainglorious self-exaltation. None of it will be from a feeding of the flesh. It will all be about the magnification of Christ Jesus, the rider on the horse, who everybody is about ready to see face to face, riding out in justice and judgment right? And he's writing out to make war against all of his enemies, seen and unseen. The the great usurpers of old and the the men in their carnality of their flesh shaking their fists at the heavens, refusing to repent, aiming their directed energy weapons skyward when they come out into the valley of Megiddo because they want to do war with the Most High. And yet all he does is show up and open his mouth and it's done and over with. So there is something unique going on here. And as you were saying, as you were talking about the Jubilees, um Benjamin is is making me think of how few people realize that the first uh the elect exiles of the dispersion, right? Which we we told we we're told that we are in uh in First Peter, we're the elect exiles of the dispersion, is it is actually he's referencing the uh Israelites that were taken into captivity in Babylon for how long? 70 years to the day. Why 70 years for the day? For every Jubilee cycle that they refused to honor God and his commands and decrees that he listed for the Jubilee cycle. But contained within that is this beautiful type and shadow of the second coming of Jesus Christ. That entire exile, elect exile of dispersion, was actually a foreshadowing. Of the second coming of Christ Jesus with the church age as well, too, where it says that at the end of the 70 years, I myself am coming for you. I'm going to take you back to this home. I'm going to take you back to your homeland. But you are going to be forced to be right smack in the middle of Babylon. You're going to be totally surrounded by Babylon. You're going to have to interact with some of the systems of Babylon. But don't you ever give your spirit over to the spirit of Babylon. And at the appointed time for the revelation, waits the appointed time, though it lingers, certainly it will come. It will not delay. It will not prove false. At the appointed time, I'm coming for you to take you back to your true and better inheritance as a royal priesthood. And what our inheritance is, beloved, it's the very literal presence of God. See, all the other tribes got land except for the Levites. Everybody tracking? Everybody else got their lane alignments. But he says, for the priest, for the priest class you don't get a land allotment. My very presence will be your allotment. And then here we are being told that we're a royal priesthood, you know, a chosen nation, a holy people, a people all of his own. And he goes, I have an inheritance. I'm about ready to deliver it to you. But listen, you got a mission set in this generation. You got a mission set to let perseverance finish its work. You got a mission set to endure to the end so that you might receive the crown of life. You got a mission set. Do not shrink back. If you shrink back, I'll be displeased with you. You got a mission set. It's to fear me because those who fear me have no fear of bad news their hearts are steadfast trust in the lord their hearts are secure they have no fear you got a mission set beloved arise and shine and be enumerated among those in the rank and file of the marine corps of the most high right the darkness is over the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples of the earth which it is right now in real time The glory of the lord has arisen upon you so it's like, stand, when you begin to see all these things taking place, it doesn't say hide yourself in your prayer closet. That time's done and over with, ladies and gents. That's That came and passed. You should have been, our, our parents and our heritage should have been doing that in the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s. Now it says, Luke 21, when you begin to see all these things taking place, you better
1: stand up and look up because your redemption draws nigh. You got work to do. Amen. Amen. I want to, Benjamin, I want to come back to you on something, but folks, you got to remember the Bible says that the Lord's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. That's not hypothesis. That's not just some fairy tale because of the sin of the modern day church and the acceptance of wrongdoing as being somehow okay. We've actually watered down the word of God and, and diverted from the truth of God, because what Benjamin is talking about is not perfection. He's talking about redemption. If God said he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle, he means he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. And as we mentioned at the beginning of the program, brother, I think you mentioned it when your prayer or, or sometime in there, uh, Jeremiah, when he says for us to stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths, whereas in the good way and walk therein." brother, since I've known you. That's kind of been one of your major callings is calling people back to those old paths. Well, amen brother. And you know, that narrow way
3: that straight and narrow way, the reason it's so hard for so many people and, and and, you know, there's multitudes on the wide road and only a few be found on the narrow way. And and the difference is that narrow way is the way of 100% truth you know and not that you know we're perfected yet and not that we don't have things that god's still working through in us but the remnant that are walking on the narrow path they're embracing to the best of their ability 100% truth and all, everything else on the wide road you get to mix in whatever else you want you can mix in a little lies you can take a couple silver idols with you in your tent you can you can, you know, do what's right in your eyes and turn your eyes away from the commands of the Lord and you can still be religious and you can be in the ministry and you can prophesy and you can do all those things. And, and on that day, the Lord will say, I never knew you. And the people that know the Lord, he calls them to the path of absolute truth. And, and if, he, if the call of God isn't sufficient, the Lord then sends hunters and fishers after them. And you know, I got a great scripture I want to share. This is from the book of Job, chapter 36, verses uh, 10 and through uh, 14. Uh, and it reads He opens also our ears to discipline. And He commands that we return from our iniquity. And that word for discipline is musar in Hebrew. And it, it means chastisement, it means a rebuke. It means a warning, a chastening. It means God's correction. He opens our ears through the correction, through the chastisements, through the trials. All of these things are to get our attention. And once he's got our attention, he commands that we return to him. We return from compromise. We return from anything less than a 100% commitment to truth. And that word for command is amar, amar. And it literally means a demand. God demands that the remnant repent. And it is. it also means a desire. God desires that you repent because he wants to restore fellowship with his people. And it also means to require. God requires of the remnant that they repent. And not everybody wants to repent. And, and I'm not talking about just repenting of the outward sin. I'm talking about repenting of the unforgiveness and of the pride and of the lust and, and the gluttony. I was talking to a good friend of mine, John Haller earlier today, who's got, you know, quite a news prophecy sort of update program. And he he was mentioning pre-trip teachers, you know, think the great apostasy, the great falling away is, is proof of the rapture because people are falling away from the earth. And of course the apostasy is, is a departure from the truth. And, and the, and it's a departure from the narrow way, which is the way of absolute truth. And, you know, I said, John, you know, do you, do you realize that this is the generation of apostasy and that this is also the generation of God's wrath? This is the most wicked generation to ever walk this earth. And it's the most compromised church ever. And, and you know, years ago, I was, I can't remember if it was a vision or a dream, tell you, you know, honestly, at this point, perhaps it was a dream. I'm sitting there in a chair. And all of a sudden, I hear the Lord speak to me, and he says, you have all fallen from the truth. And I told John, I said, John, you know, do you want to understand the apostasy? Go look in the mirror. Every one of us has fallen from that commitment to 100% truth. And we live in a land that's defiled by the blood of innocent children. It's defiled by all of the abominations that are now considered civil rights in this perverted version of democracy and you know it's worse than sodom and gomorrah now and and so you know we've all been affected but the remnant are being called by god to return to that place of 100 truth and 100 commitment to the word of god which means we got to pick up our cross we got to deny ourselves and i i would tell people you know where did you think you were going with that cross you know, we're not going to Walmart. We're not going to Disneyland. We're, you know, we're going to the place of the death of the flesh. And and now as we are about to enter the day of the Lord, the end of all flesh has finally come. And, you know, there were 120 jubilees decreed by God for creation. There were 50 of them before the Exodus. And 70 of them appointed to the people of Israel. And the 120 Jubilees is the compass of the of the time that God measured when he told Noah in 120 years the end of all flesh would come. Now it's the 120th Jubilee of creation, it's the 70th Jubilee of Israel, and that number 120, it's the number 12, which is God's government. God is about to put his fist down on this planet. He's about to impose his government. He's coming to Basically, rescue his remnant. Then he's going to come to judge the wicked. But folks, we get to decide if we want to be in that remnant. And and that decision involves us receiving God's correction, his rebuke, his chastisement, and responding in a way that God demands, that God requires, that God desires, which is that we would dig deep into those areas in our heart where, you know, Maybe you had a lot of pain and a lot of trauma or a lot of loss or a lot of suffering and and it all got stuck inside of you because you didn't know what to do with it. So you just buried it so you could cope. It was like a survival mechanism. But now the time has come to clean the house and and we got to prayerfully take all of those issues to the Lord in prayer. We got to take them to the cross and we got to release that stuff we got to forgive the people involved and we got to release that pain jesus died for it so that it would no you would no longer carry it because even holding on to that bitterness holding on to unforgiveness holding on to pride continuing in our gluttony and and yes americans are gluttons i mean you could the statistics prove me out just the way we live proves me out this is a nation raised on gluttony. Every one of us needs to repent of gluttony. And every one of us needs to begin fasting and praying. And every one of us needs to begin giving money to to the ministries that are blessing widows and orphans and helping the poor. We need to actually obey the things God commanded us to do if we want to be counted worthy to stand among his remnant that's going to get delivered in this hour. But, you know one of the ways to to cure the gluttony sin to practice fasting and prayer and, and, you know, you can do it, you know, do the Daniel fast or do, or do the water fast, you know, do whatever, pray about it. But when you're fasting, you know, a friend of mine had never fasted before. And, um, you know, I talked to him and encouraged him. He's like, all right, I'm going to do it. And he called me up the next day. And he's like, brother, I I fasted for 14 hours. I'm like, okay. I think he started with the evening before he went to bed. (laughs) i'm not not laughing at him but he said to me brother you don't understand i got really hungry (laughs) how about lunchtime okay i understand your body is gonna get hungry and it's not just your flesh that you know loses its energy and you desire the strength from food but that gluttony spirit is gonna rise up man it wants to worship its food and you know what When that's happening, when you're fasting, you take authority over that. You repent of that gluttony. You bind that spirit. You cast it out of your life. And then what I do is I tell my flesh, flesh, I'm a Christian. I'm born again. You died in Christ. You are a dead man. Get back in the ground and shut up. I don't want to hear from you again. And your flesh will obey you. You have authority over your own flesh. You you probably never practiced using authority on your flesh. But you do have that, and you need to learn how to use it. And then go to your Father in Heaven and say, Father, I'm fasting today. I'm praying today according to your commandment. And if I'm going to get anything to eat at all today, it's it's going to be living manna from you. And at the same time, I'm, I'm in desperate need of your living water. And I got news for you. When you set your heart to fast and pray and obey God, Heaven responds.
2: And I think what's going on right now, too, is is uh, it is the it is the discipline of the Lord. Right. And actually, when we're experiencing the Lord's discipline, I always tell people it should give you such a quiet confidence, such a delight and a quiet confidence. If you're being disciplined by the Lord, because he says he only circle that word disciplines those who he loves only. So if you're experiencing the chastisement of the Lord, it's an affirmation of your sonship. It's an affirmation that you're an heir and that you have an inheritance, right? It's an affirmation of the signet ring on your finger and the cloak upon your back, and it's not a. It's it should just bring such a quiet delight to be disciplined by the Lord. But what He's exposing in all these things is what do you believe or disbelieve about the sufficiency of Christ? You know, as you're talking, Benjamin, about the uh, the fasting, it's like. Do you believe the sufficiency of Christ over even the the cellular composition of your body to go without food? He already told you man doesn't live on bread alone, but on the very words that come from the mouth of the Lord. Like, do you believe the sufficiency of God that you can actually forsake your father, mother or brother or sister or all these narcissistic, toxic, God-hating relationships for the cause of Christ Jesus? Are you willing to be unified with him and suffering, even suffering at the rejection of your own family members for the cause of Christ. Do you believe he's sufficient to satisfy that in you? How about dying to your sense of self and all these worldly carnal earthly kingdom pursuits or forsaking uh forsaking the 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 burden and the prompting of the holy spirit in your life because you want to protect your 401k or your pension or you don't want to look foolish to your reprobate adult children or to the world around you it's like everything is exposing what do you believe or disbelieve about the sufficiency of christ right and we have that precedence in malachi three sixteen through 43, 4 3 where the lord specifically lays out that the time is coming when he's going to start making distinctions again You know, he says, you know, it talks about then those, I don't have it open in front of me. So this is off the top of my head if I misquote it. But it says, then those who feared the Lord were found talking with one another. And the Lord heard and the Lord listened. And a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared him and who revered his name. And he says, they will make up my treasured possession on the day when I act. Right. Again, you will finally see the distinction between those who serve me and those who do not. And I will honor them just as the father who, who honors the son uh, who serves him, right? And then it goes on to talk about the day of the Lord and the fire of the Lord, right? And that you will, the enemies will be ashes on their soles of your feet. You will go out like calves released from a stall. You will see the righteousness come with healing in its wings, right? And then, and then that's where it gets into the spirit of Elijah in the last days, man, turning the father's hearts back to the sons, the son's hearts back to the father. And so like the Lord is, Right now, in real time, studying about making distinguishment. The Lord's all about divisions. You know how many times I've had my lukewarm, um, seeker-friendly relatives tell me, well, I don't want to be divisive. I don't want to be divisive. And I am go, oh, man, you better be divisive. You better rightly divide. You better be divisive, but it better be rightly divisive. Rightly dividing, because the Lord divides everything—sheep and goats, and and wheat and tares, and light and dark, and and lawlessness from righteousness, and darkness from light, and and um, uh, sons of the devil or sons of disobedience from heirs of a promise. He he literally is the sword, the sword of the spirit that does nothing but divides. You think he came to bring peace? You're totally misrepresenting him. He came to make right divisions, and the division is righteousness. And not a righteousness of your own, because it will never suffice. They Congratulations. They tried to do that with the law, the Lord, just to reprove that you couldn't. But it's a righteousness found in Christ and Christ alone. And so even as these things are breaking out on the scene, I always say with the thing that happened in the last three years, that that was the first salvo of the Lord making very definitive siftings and divisions in real time. Did you start your church? Did you throw on your mask in fear? Did you run and hide? Did you hate on your neighbor? Did you uh, seek to to find healing in the flesh or in pharmakia or in anything else? Did you run to the governments of the world? Who, who did you turn to? Who, did you fear and consternate? Because guess what? The Lord says, God is love. Where there's love, there can be no fear because God's perfect love casts out of fear. And where you fear, you haven't been perfected by love. His fear has to do with punishment. Like, he's actually exposing every little detail from the Maui fires, right, to the impending World War III, which is... I mean, it is getting ready to break out. The logistics are in place to the the infrastructure of the B system through AI and transhumanism and everything else um, to everything that you've placed your hope in, which is the Babylonian money magic system, right? Which is alchemical processes of creating money out of nothing that doesn't even exist. He's about ready to tear it all down to expose and to discipline those whom he loves, Or to expose that your love is actually in the world. And anybody who loves the world and the things of the world, I'm telling you because the scriptures say the love of the father is not in him. And as you were saying, as you were talking, Benjamin, I kept thinking of, uh, I think it's Joshua seven, maybe it's Joshua nine, but the sin of Achan, right? The sin of Achan and the Lord specifically gives this, this deep heartfelt command through Joshua to the Israelites. And he says, you have been made liable for destruction on a field of battle. It's the field of battle. You don't understand until you remove the devoted things from among your camp. He says, you cannot stand against your enemies until you remove the devoted things. And then he dresses them down by tribe and then by clan and then by family. And then each one, man by man, he dresses them down and he says, stand and act like a man. Cause I'm about ready to do business with you. What do you have in your camp? What do you have hidden? What do you have hidden in your heart? Like you said, it's not the outward sense. Like you think I care if, I, if a guy sits down and has a, a beer or a glass of whiskey or a cigar or whatever in front of me. I could care less, but I'm like, dude, what's going on in your heart? What's going on in your marriage? What's going on with your kids? What's up with your haughtiness or your self-loathing? Both of those are sin. What's up with your insecurity or your arrogancy? Both of those are, those are sins. You know What's up with your love of the world and the things of the world? What's up with your love of pleasure rather than a love of God? See, there's a cosmic usurpation that's occurred in the church, and it is a usurpation of the love of pleasure for the love of God. It's not that they don't love God. They just don't love him as much as they love self, right? It's a self-love. It's the Laodicean church age. It's the spirit of the age. And as you were saying, Brother Frank, everybody's susceptible to it. You can't say that's the spirit of that guy over there, or that's the spirit of that denomination over there, or that's the spirit of that movement over there. No, it's the spirit of all of us. It's the spirit of the age. And it takes... A mortification of the flesh, a crucifying of the flesh, a dying to the self, being willing to suffer, even your consciousness, because you're conscious of Christ, suffer in your internal monologue and your thoughts, because your spirit does what the flesh doesn't want it to do, and the flesh is wanting to do what the spirit doesn't want to do, and oh, I'm such a wretch, right? As the Apostle Paul says. But at least you're willing to contend and suffer for righteousness. Righteousness sake for the sake of Christ, and therefore be unified with them in the glorification and the resurrection. So it's all interconnected. And I like, I'm so emphatic for this for the church right now. Like, my everything I do is for the body, the body, the body, because I know what Christ is getting ready to do. We have the scriptures, we have the prophecies, we have the spirit, right? And it's like the church to have an identity restored and nothing but Christ alone. So unrestrained, so unconditionally sold out for the Lord God Almighty that nothing in this life is going to rock them and take them from the sufficiency of Christ. They don't care who's standing to the left or the right of them. They only care who's standing before them. For the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. And for the joy set before you, you'd be willing to endure everything this life throws at you. And then you'd look at it with a quiet delight and go it's light and momentary afflictions light and momentary Mm. afflictions it's the achieving in me an eternal glory that far outweighs everything else so i'm not going to fix my eyes on what is seen i'm going to fix my eyes on what is unseen for what is seen is temporary man but what is unseen is eternal i i it's like it's like not even worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed so then with honor And commitment, having put your hand to the plow, you never look back. You don't be Lot's wife looking back. You have no consternations for the world. You don't try to drink from the cup of demons and the cup of Christ. You don't swear by Moloch and the Lord. You don't try to fellowship with darkness and with light, but you are so sold out for the Lord that you're like, God, have your way in me, whatever the cost. I've counted the cost, but I know the reward. It ain't even worth comparing. I've counted the cost, Lord. I'm all in. What would you have me do? What would you have me do? And see, this is, I don't think people understand the remnant language has been so perversified. It's not even a word, but I just made it up and it sounded cool. But the, the, the word, the remnant language has been so perversified that most people don't understand just how horrifically small a remnant is. It is so small that I think all of us would be wearing sackcloth. We would not be wearing suits to work anymore. So it's just the centrality of the reality of what's going on right now.
1: Amen. Brothers, I feel like I just went down the upper Golly river. And if you've never done that, it's about four and a half hours. It goes by in 15 minutes through class five rapids back to back brothers. That's what I feel like. I just went through uh, with you two on this program and I want to turn it back over brothers. Thank you so much. Uh, We need to do a part two because we are already coming up on time and um, brother, I want to turn it over to you, Benjamin, to, to, you know, kind of bring this down into a close, but also folks, if they're willing, I'm sure they hopefully are. We're going to get back because I think we just only got started. I'm not even sure we got past, you know, the, the forward in the book yet uh, of of the show for tonight, but there's a scripture brother Benjamin kind of share, or he shared or um, shared a year or two ago with me. That's really stuck in my crawl um, about this, you know, we know where we're going. We know we're seeking the Lord. And there's this fear sometimes that, Lord, I don't know if I'm I'm going to be ready to do whatever you want me to do in this hour. Listen, folks, don't worry about that. Our job is to seek the Lord, to, you know, to seek the, the, to want the desire, the faith that was once delivered unto the saints, right? And that's what the book of Jude says. But Psalm 110 says this, thy people shall be willing to in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness from the womb of mourning, thou hast the dew of thy youth in the day that it matters. God's people will be willing. The Lord will make sure we can do that, which we have cannot do. So don't worry that you won't have the strength because you won't, but God will, and he will lead us through that. And brother Benjamin, I just want to turn it back to you, if you could bring us to a close um, and share, because that, to me, has been a word of encouragement, because there's so much we're being bombarded with right now. We've come up on the month of Elul. We've got the Feast of Trumpets going into Yom Kippur. This is some serious time, Brother. What would your words be to us right now in this moment?
3: Well, I think we should just all open our eyes and look up because our redemption is, it's not just drawing near it's practically here. And and Jamie, that was awesome. I really appreciate that. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this again. That was incredible. And yeah, let's do part two. And Frank, thank you so much for your input as well. And, and for you, you know, providing the forum for, for this awesome, you know, messages that came forth today. And, you know, I would just encourage everybody that, you know, the Lord says what appear to be things that are contradictory in the scriptures. In one place, he says, be still and know that I am God. You know, he, and he calls us to disquiet ourselves. And in other places, he says, ask, knock, seek. And it's like, well, what's, you know, what's what's up with this? Well, all of the scriptures that speak to us being quieting ourselves and being still before the Lord. God's talking to your flesh. And he's talking to the knowledge of good and evil that's the gray matter in your head. And he, he tells us to quiet ourselves in the flesh. But when he talks and encourages us to take action, to seek, to knock, to ask, he's talking to us in the spirit. And we need to learn how to be still and quiet in the flesh, how to enter into our prayer time with a time of worship. That we could enter into his presence and then once in his presence to ask, to seek, to knock. And and you know, in your prayer time, please remember Frank, remember remember Jamie, remember me in your prayers, remember brother David Murray. And you know, remember Lee and, and the orphans in India that we're so close to, and you know, and remember the babies that are being hurt in America. Mm-hmm. remember the little ones and um you know god's an awesome god faithful god and he's about to reveal himself to a world that doesn't even believe in him and boy are they going to be surprised this was awesome thank you so much for the opportunity
1: to be here Amen. God bless you both brothers. I just, I, like I said, I feel like I'm on spiritual high. I went to church five times in one hour and uh, the real church, you know, the church that Jesus Christ is the head of, not what we see in America. Folks we're here tonight. Not there. This is not a program of people that are making mass money, uh, writing books every five minutes, selling something to you. These are just three ordinary people who have a burning desire in our bones to share the good news. Jesus, folks, is coming again. We all believe that. We've been testifying to it, and we will be together until the very end, Lord willing. And folks, if it's possible, listen, we maybe I get to see you on the King's Highway one day, but if not, we're still planning on that Remnant Call uh, reunion right by the sea of glass one day. And uh, my my plan is, Brother Benjamin and Jamie, I'm going to ask the Lord if he would lead that one out, amen, and amen. Uh, be, the, be the best go, the best guest we ever had. And uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Folks, keep the faith. Keep looking forward. Thank you for all the prayers. And this is Brother Frank and Brother Jamie and Brother Benjamin Baruch on the Remnant Call Send everybody, good night and shalom.
0: made you his delight. It's made you his desire. Blow a trumpet in Zion, sounding on the mountains. Blow a trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. Blow a trumpet in Zion, sounding on the mountains. Blow trumpet.